Safety Chick Rules, the podcast with incredible stories of survivors, experts, and ordinary people doing extraordinary things, all with the mission to fight the bad guys. This isn't your ordinary true crime podcast. This one gives you the tools to live a safe and empowered life, fighting crime one tip at a time. Hey, Kathleen Gallagher here, the Safety Chick. And you know, there are people that come into your life that turn out to be not the person you thought they were. More importantly, people who turn out to be a threat to your very existence. I always say the key to staying safe from crime is to be aware of your surroundings and most importantly, listening to your intuitive body signals, also known as your intuition. Because nine times out of 10, if you just listened to your gut and reacted, you would not find yourself in a dangerous or distressful situation in the first place. But if you find yourself in a relationship with a person that is a threat to your well-being, whether it's a friend, a coworker, a family member, or a spouse, you need to recognize the signs and protect yourself from the dangers they bring and the havoc they can wreak on your life. You know, one of the most dangerous personality threats is a narcissist. The definition of a narcissist is a mental condition in which people have an inflated sense of their own importance, a deep need for excessive attention and admiration. They have troubled relationships and a lack of empathy for others. But behind this mask of extreme confidence lies a fragile self-esteem that's vulnerable to the slightest criticism. In order to limit the damaging effects these self-centered people have on your life, you have to learn how to spot the signs of a narcissist and cut the ties before they poison your well-being. My guest today is Gabrielle St. George, a Canadian screenwriter and story editor with credits on over 100 produced television shows, both in the U.S. and Canada. She's the author of the extremely popular series, The Gal Guide Books, How to Say So Long to Mr. Wrong, How to Know If He's Having an Affair, How to Get Your Groove Back, and the gal guide to navigating narcissism, which is the topic of our show today. And Gabrielle has quite the firsthand experience with this subject herself. Welcome, Gabrielle. Great to have you here. I read some of the gal guide to navigating narcissism, and so much of it rang true in my own life experiences with narcissists as well. My gosh. So tell us your story behind you writing this particular book. You know, I really do think that narcissism is an epidemic in our society today. Um, social media isn't helping the profuse amount of selfies that everyone is taking nonstop and our addiction to likes and follows. But uh, it's always been there. It's just that I think the education is spreading, which is a good thing. Um, and they, they do think that only, I think, 2% of narcissists are actually diagnosed and receiving treatment, but uh, there's a lot more than that because narcissists think they're perfect. So they don't seek out treatment or anything that would even amount to a cure, you know. What made you want to write this book? Uh, I grew up with the two closest female relationships in my life were both narcissists and it's a really tough way to grow up. Um, but I ended up marrying a narcissist because we do sometimes marry, uh, 
parental figure. And I spent 25 years with them, had four children, and um, it was a lot. It was a lot. And it's... And did you... When did you, yeah, when did you kind of start realizing, like, wait a minute, like, this behavior is, you know, not normal? And we'll go through, I will, I want to read different excerpts from your book and then I want you to comment on them. But, you know, at what point in your marriage, let's say, did you realize, uh, oh boy? Way, way too late is the answer to that question. Um, I, I, Reckon it to the the idea of the frog being slowly boiled alive, and you don't realize the temperature of the water is increasing until it's too late and you're cooked. And it's kind of like that, you know. You the the strange, the the detrimental, the dangerous, the damaging aspects become your normal. And as humans, we adapt, and that unfortunately goes against us in when you're dealing with a narcissistic. How long after, and we'll go through this, um, you know, because for all of the, um, you know, listeners and, and viewers out there, I am sure there is a huge group out there that is going, oh my gosh, uh, no one, no many, you know, uh, married to one, or how do I get out of it? Or, um, you know, gosh, it was too late before I realized it too. And so, um, you know, my motivation for doing this show is always, um, gaining awareness to a problem to help people use tools and tips to fix it or protect themselves. And so, um, you know, I personally know firsthand I had a, a, a terrible divorce and, you know, I don't want to say too much, but I, I fully understand when I was reading through this book, I'm like, oh God, check, check every single box. So, um, there's one part, though, and, and this is the beginning, and I, I want to read you this because, boy, this is so common um, in so many uh, people's relationships and behaviors of people out there, gaslighting. Um, because I, 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 I know I went through a lot of that where I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. And, you know, I hadn't heard the term gaslighting um, until, well relatively recently. And once I did and started researching, I'm like, oh my gosh. So let me, I want to read an excerpt from your book and then let's, you know, I want to get your comments on it. So um, gaslighting is an abusive tactic a person uses to make their victim doubt their reality themselves and therefore their worth. Sometimes it can even cause a person to question their identity and sanity. Narcissists who gaslight you exaggerate about events that occurred and deny other happenings, including things they've said and done that you have heard and witnessed. They'll falsely accuse you of things, intimidate and criticize you and distort the facts around everything you know to be true. They engage in this destructive behavior to weaken you mentally so they can easily dominate and control you. So give us some examples of just prime gaslighting for people to understand. You didn't see me with that other woman. I don't know her. I've never been to that place. I didn't say that. You said this. You're, you're crazy. You don't, you can't be trusted. Uh, so-and-so said this about you and they're right. And I, they just make you doubt yourself. And when you doubt yourself to a sufficient degree, they can get away with murder. 
So, right. Um, so what can somebody do about it? I mean, what is the appropriate, you know, when you're in it, you're in it. But, but truly, when you know that they are gaslighting you, that you know that this isn't, what is the best way to respond, you know, to deal with a narcissist that's, that's gaslighting you? Uh, I mean, if it's like a, a situation with a colleague at work or a friend or a neighbor or the family member, you you know, could be a sister or could be someone you have to see at Thanksgiving. Um, it's usually best to not argue with them, to be honest, because they won't let go of the bone. You're not going to win. You're not going to ever convince a narcissist of anything that they're wrong, that they're mistaken, that you're right. It's, it, it's never going to happen. And, you know, you can do a lot of reading. You can watch uh, YouTube videos with psychiatrists who talk about it. And none of them differ on this. The only thing they differ on is some of them think it can be treated to a degree. Most of them don't believe it can. Um, and that really is the crux of it. You, you, the only way is to save yourself by exiting and psychiatrists use the term going cold turkey like that's it you're right. out it is over There's and it's no so contact. it's so important to, to everybody listening out there is to always this is as i as i said in the open always listen to your gut your gut is always the truth and you know don't be strong if you are dealing with someone that's gaslighting you and you know there are so many tools, you know, whether it's meditation or self-help or, you know, all of the tools for taking care of yourself and being strong and knowing that that's some BS right there. And, you know, to remove yourself from that situation, because it's exactly as you said, you're never going to win. You're never going to win. So, you know, the choice is live in peace and live a positive, happy life or stay in that negative drain of, of just gaslighting. So, okay. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, sometimes we don't have the option. If we're married to this person or living with this person or have children, we can't go no contact. Um, right. And that is the problem. But that's when you have to get out. And I agree that trusting your intuition is that it's the most effective tool we have for protecting ourselves, whether you're in a dark alley or in your own kitchen with a narcissistic partner. But the other thing I would say is that you have to ask for help. Like a lot of people in narcissistic relationships have PTSD and a lot of other things. It is abuse. It is emotional it is. abuse, which is damaging as any other kind of abuse. And usually you'll need help to extricate yourself because the last thing a narcissist is going to accept is you leaving them. They say we're getting there. I'm going to read this part. We're going to get there because there's so many good sections. So wait, this is the next one. When you divorce a narcissist. So that is, it's, it's terrible. I mean, because you, it's so hard to do because you know that you're going to get crushed. And, and what you said is true that I want to back up because when we've talked before, um, you know, when, when we were talking about your situation and when you, Tell us how your friend encouraged you to get help. Share share with us that. Before um, I separated, um, a friend gave me the phone number, a very close friend, best friend of a abuse hotline. 
And she said, you need to call this. And I'm like, you know, why would I call this? I'm not an abused woman. I don't like there's thing, some bad stuff going on, but it's not that. And she just really encouraged me to call. And eventually I did. And when I first got on the phone, I'm saying to the abuse cancer, I'm really sorry. I shouldn't be calling you. I'm tying up your lines. There's actually abused women who need to use these resources. I just have one question. Um, the abuse counselor was obviously really used to getting these kinds of calls where women are in denial or they just, you know, they don't trust themselves. And that's what happens in a narcissistic, narcissistic relationship. We get to where we don't trust our instincts anymore because we've been told for so long that we're wrong. And she was like, no, I got lots of time. I want to talk to you. And we were on the phone probably an hour and a half. And she did say to me that her, her most important piece of advice is to always listen to that little voice inside. And when women call her, um, she said they're put in most danger in their lives and some really terrible things can happen when you don't listen to that voice. But by the end of the call, she was telling me I needed to get to a shelter. Um, so that is how much we can doubt ourselves in a narcissistic relationship. We don't trust our instincts at all. Right. So. Right. And that's, a, that is exactly the point of this show today is for everybody out there that's listening or watching, you know, that is what we're trying to get across to you is listen to your gut. And if you really do feel like this has, this is really, um, an abusive relationship because that what you just said is, is true. Um, you know, in court and in different things, you know, the, these narcissists are so good at what they do. They're so manipulative and it is abuse. And sometimes people say, God, I wish you'd just punch me in the face. Right. Because then I'd have a bruise to show or something to show because this is torture. Um, this is absolute torture because it's not physical. It's all just virtual, you know, and it's your word against theirs. And it is, it's that trying to stay the course of, I know what I know. And I know that this is not right. So if let's say, I mean, it is to the point out there where you need to leave, you do need to get a divorce. Divorcing a narcissist is extremely, you know, terrifying. Um, you know, your, your life can be ruined because again, they will, they will stop at nothing, right? It's either you're staying with me or I'm going to destroy you. That's basically what they do. So I'm going to read the excerpt from, um, when you divorce a narcissist. Okay. A narcissist must be in total control of everything in his world at all times. And by the way, I mean, this is a sidebar. When I was reading about, um, narcissistic behavior, um, you know, women, obviously, as you know, women can be narcissists as well, but studies show that there's a higher percentage of men that are narcissists than women, just throwing it out there. So I'm not man bashing. I love men. I love, you know, it's, it's, it's just a personality disorder, but the studies show that more men than women are narcissists. Okay. Um, a narcissist must be in total control of everything in his world at all times. You leaving him does not compute. He won't have it. You taking up the reins and deciding the deciding to end the relationship will strike a lethal blow to his fragile ego and trigger his worst fears, which are his sense of shame, feelings of inadequacy and abandonment. His first course of action will be to love bomb you back into his world, just like he did in the early days. If that doesn't work, his narcissistic rage will take over and he will move on to a search and destroy mission in retaliation. 
He will seek to punish you and he'll stop at nothing to succeed, even if it takes years or decades. Even if he has to take his battle to your family members and closest friends and your neighbors and work colleagues or the highest legal court in the land, he must win and he will go to any lengths to do so. He may even threaten you physically, harass you online or stalk you in person. Though all of this, he will see himself as the victim whom you have wronged and blame you wholly for the breakup. You hit this right on the head. Anyway, you will never convince him otherwise. So please do not attempt to do so. It's not only futile. It's not only a futile exercise. It could be, da- it could be a dangerous one for you as well. Okay, so man, you hit that on the head. Um, but what can one, you know, you know you're going to have to go through the process and, you know, knowing what you face, what can a person do um, to fight back against this and protect themselves? Again, really, the advice, the advice is always to go no contact. And it's to cut them off of all your, the social media. That you, don't, you don't creep their walls, but you block them from everything. I mean, I had to get a new email address. You have to get new phone numbers. You, um, I didn't go out at night for years. Um, you have to be really careful. If you do have to see your ex in court or if you your children and there's custody kid drop-offs, you have to have someone with you. You, uh, That's they'll what carry I was, a grudge. The, the hardest thing, the, the mm-hmm. hardest thing is, is with kids. I mean, you know, you have to share their world and that's, that's where the real problem comes. But you're absolutely right. It's having somebody with you makes all the difference in the world, right? So, um, as you're navigating through the years of going through the divorce and until your kids are grown, um, that would be my advice too, is it's, it makes it a whole lot easier when you are with, you know, a family member, a friend, um, you know, anybody that can be the buffer around you so that you don't have to just have that one-on-one contact all the time. Okay. So, um, I want to say is that, um, a lot of women who are coming out of narcissistic relationships don't feel like they have anyone, no one. They have been cut off, um, from their friends, from their friend network, even from family members, even from close family members. This is a manipulation tactic that's extremely common with narcissists. It basically happens, you know, almost all the time, I would say. And so by the time you are getting yourself out, even if you've just been dating, even if you don't have kids and even if you don't live together and you've been dating, they'll, they don't like your friends. They'll, they'll, um, they'll even get on the good sides and the good books of, your family members and turn them against you. So for a lot of women, they don't have someone they feel they can count on. And that's where you need to reach out for support from um, the community programs. And they are, they're free and there's lots of them and they're in every community. And um, so at the end, at the end of um, these shows, when I post them on my website, I'll put resources and links to you. And, and so if anybody out there has questions, they can get to you or other resources mm-hmm. to get help. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's interesting that you're saying that because, um, 
you know, a lot of times when you are going through that horror divorce and, you know, the family members are pulled in, it's not even that they might side with the narcissist. It's just exhausting for them. And it's not their divorce. It's not their relationship. You know what I mean? And so they're like, God, we, don't, we just don't want to be a part of this. We don't want to have to deal with this energy. And, it, and fair enough, right? People can only handle so much of having this terrible stress and, and, and angst in their life. So I get that side too, but that's why, you know, you can reach out to communities, to churches, to, to, you know, anywhere to kind of get the, those, those other mm-hmm. groups. Right. Okay. So here's another excerpt. I just love it. Okay. A favorite tactic of narcissists is to abuse their victim through the court system. Normal people will do everything within their power to stay out of court due to the exorbitant financial costs, as well as the toll it will inevitably take on all parties' mental health. Divorce proceedings are extremely stressful for everyone involved, including any children caught in the middle. And for these reasons, only a tiny percentage of divorce cases end up in litigation. Not so for narcissists who can't resist the prospect of being center stage live with captive uh, with a captive audience forced to listen to their tales of woe and victimization. Yes. So what is the best strategy to navigate the court system, you know, in this situation? You know, it's really, really, really tough. And there might, I hate to say it, there might not even be a strategy um, because they won't give up. Wine, wine and vodka after every (laughs) proceeding. I'm kidding. (laughs) I mean, even if to avoid court, you, you do mediation so many times. And again, I hate to, you know, almost always they won't abide by the agreements made in mediation. I was just about to say that. Yeah. There's no, I mean, again, we're dealing with the narcissist. They don't agree to anything. I mean, it's their way or the highway. So you can start with mediation, but it's it's pretty much a waste of of money i it's yeah. from what i've heard i self represented in court for a decade and my i don't know how you did that oh my goodness i i mean i didn't have i think he had like a million dollars in legal fees i didn't have that i didn't have any money for that um he ended up suing suing two of his lawyers for $5 million. He lost that. He appealed that lawsuit, lost again. He appealed every ruling made against him in our divorce. We broke records nationwide for numbers of hearings and his numbers of lawyers. And and he appealed to every court in the land, right up to our Supreme Court of Canada, which is unheard of. The Supreme Court of Canada is for um, uh, cases that affect the entire citizenry of the country, um, not divorce cases, but you know, you can try, you try, but that meant I had to go. And it's a, the, the reason, one of the reasons they do this, it's revenge. Um, it's because it's always about winning for an art. And so they have to, they, they don't know how to stop. But the other reason is, is yes, it's abuse, abuse. And yes, it is harassment. It's harassment through the court system. But on top of that, it's also a way to stay connected to their victim. They keep you, I mean, I had kids, but I was doing 12 and 20 hours a day in legal papers. And he literally, the the judges were amazed because he would file thousands of pages of documents 
that, of course, no judge is going to read through. No, right. no one can read through. And, and it would be this awful and yeah, it's to, it's to wear you it's down. To clo- and exactly. It's to clog, keep clogging the system, keep clogging the system. And mm-hmm. you're exactly right. I've heard, I've heard so many cases of this. And, um, and the other thing too, is to just drain you of money. That's the game, yeah. right? So, yeah. and that's yeah. like, I think what, one of the most frustrating things about going through the, through divorce in, in, in America as well is, you know, when, when somebody files something against you, you, you have to respond. You, do, you don't have a choice. Yeah. So you, you yeah. have to, and you have to either do it yourself, which is so difficult. And so, you know, what if you're working full time? You, it's a full time job. And so, yeah. you know, and learning all that, and it's an unfair advantage, especially if the narcissist has the money and they just drain you of the money. And I mean, that's, that's the tactic in court, in, in family court, all throughout the United States. And it's, it's really, we'll do another show on, I know we're kind of in the divorce realm, but there are so many, like how, how to do divorce dirty, how, you know, family court using the kit. There's all different. We'll do some more shows on that. But anyway, okay, <laughs> here's the next excerpt. Um, the narcissist goal in the smear campaign is not to get you back. It's to punish you, to stay connected to you, however twisted that may be. And to do everything in their power to ensure that you do not live happily ever after. And I love that. So what are the key elements to take care of you to make sure that that never happens, that you do live happily ever after with this narcissist in your life? Again, I can't say it enough. No contact. There's, there's not another way. It's no contact. If you've got to hand a child over, someone's with you, you don't need to talk. But in any other situation, it has to be no contact. And they're going to carry on doing this. So, you know, some of us can move further away. You'll probably, you know, have would have lost your friends and social circle. Um, so you're going to create a new one, but there's all kinds of self-help things like you touched on meditation and, 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 um, even yoga. And I'm saying these things are free online. There's hundreds of classes to teach, uh, um, on YouTube for yoga that you can do with no equipment uh, to teach you how to meditate and meditations and all kinds of things. If you can afford therapy, that's awesome. Um, but otherwise it's really reconnecting with the real you that got buried, that you had to hide in this relationship, finding her again, letting her know it's safe to reemerge, honoring her, which is the real you, and you know, taking care of your body, taking taking a damn kickboxing class or boxing and get some of that aggression out on the you know picture of the face on the. I'm sorry, that's not nice, but it is no, nice. And first, get that I'm aggression kidding. out, right? <laughs> that's it. But for a lot of us, I mean, you know. Punching that pillow, whatever you have to do, jogging, running, like even exercise classes. There's lots of free stuff we can do. But personal safety is a big thing. And most of us won't feel safe for a long time. And many of us will never feel safe. We'll never right. feel totally safe. It, it's always it is. It's always that feeling of um, looking over your shoulder or what's coming next or the knock on the door with a subpoena. It's just that that uneasiness, right? That they're never really gone. Under the guise of maybe they're gathering information for the court system, you know, but 
many of many narcissistic ex-partners will resort to stalking. They will. And if it's right. not hundred percent of mine, um, it's often physical. Um, and you have to protect yourself because it is a real threat and it's a real danger and it crosses the line really frequently. Oh, absolutely. Huge, huge percent of, of stalking cases are ex-partners, usually with a narcissistic personality disorder. So without question, they, that's, that's why, that's why we're doing this show. Get out before it's too late. Recognize the signs. Don't, you know, if you, in your gut, first couple dates, or first month, you're going, mm, but oh, you know, in your head, you, you keep making excuses. Don't do it. Don't do it because you can end up in a, you know, 10, 15, 20 year marriage with kids. And then it's really tough to get out of it. Really tough. So and it really is the too good to be true thing. They do. They love bomb in the beginning of a relationship. And- Talk a little bit about the love bomb. Talk a little bit. Give me some examples of that because I think people can really identify with that. Well, you'll know, it'll always seem like, like too good to be true. Hint, hint, it probably is right where there's smoke, there's fire, but they will, it goes really fast. They talk about moving in together, getting married really, really quickly. They want to take you home to meet their family. This may or may not ever happen. They want to meet your family. They, um, they say, I love you really quickly. Like they don't wait for third date. They can't wait for sex because you're the most attractive, fabulous woman they've ever, ever met. And it's just a sweep you right off your feet. Gifts, flowers, they show up where you don't expect them, like surprise, but maybe it was, you know, you had a prior arrangements. They're, they're not welcome. You didn't invite them, but they come and what do you say? And it's really, that's a love bombing. And it's really easy to get swept up in that. It's extremely flattering. It's passionate. It's exciting. And um, it's also not normal. This is what we have to remind ourselves. Astrid, is it normal? No, it's not normal. And as soon as you're hooked in, it's like, I don't care. This is the greatest guy I've ever met. And he thinks I'm the greatest person alive. And I'm truly, madly, deeply in love. And as soon as you are hook, line, and sinker in, boom, he'll disappear. That's how it works. He'll disappear and you'll be left reeling. He'll come back. This is the pattern. He'll come back and he'll get you again. But that's how, that's how it goes. It's all about mental manipulation. That's it. And, and, or, um, you know, and there are a lot of, again, I'm trying to play devil's advocate or actually not like make this sound like, you know, I don't believe in love and man hating and all that. There are so many wonderful relationships out there and people out there and who in the beginning did kind of love bomb, you know, head over heels, all that stuff. But I think more importantly, it's the way in which they go about things and the, what, how they say it. And, and there, again, I, it's a, it's a hard thing to describe except to just keep saying it's that gut feeling. It's that energy that you can feel with somebody that, you know, that that's trying too hard, that, that isn't kind of, um, letting things flow naturally. And it is exactly too good to be true. Um, but at the same time, again, there are plenty of relationships that work out fantastic. And the person, you know, the, the two people were just head over heels in love and the guy was a good guy. Right. So we don't want to turn everyone off to love, but we certainly want to make them aware. 
Love at first sight is a thing. That's not what we're talking about. Because as rational people, we know the difference between normal and abnormal behavior, even if we want to ignore it because it's so flattering. But just a tiny little thing. Your new lover sends you flowers. That is beautiful. That is wonderful. But if they're calling right away, or say they send them where maybe to your workplace, which is potentially, depending on where you work, could be inappropriate, but they do this. It's all about attention seeking. What's not normal is with a narcissist, you're likely to get a whole bunch of phone calls, some sort of messages, you know, texts, whatever, asking, did you get them? Did you get them? How were they? Did you like them? What did your work colleagues say? Did they think it was really special and nice? You can twig to these things and you can early on, before you get completely hoovered into this relationship, you can be like, yeah, it's a little much. Uh, that is. makes sense. That does make sense. So let me ask you, what is the most vital lesson that you learned dealing with your narcissist? That's a tough one. There are so many lessons. Um, I think that in trying to, whether we're trying to keep the peace or... Uh, I think we lose ourselves. And if we can really, it's just so not, it's so complicated. It's so not easy to retain boundaries, but I guess it would come down to that. I guess that's the most succinct way to say it, that we need to know what we are willing to do and not willing to do, whether it's in the bedroom or on a date or how we raise our kids or whatever. But we need to know what we're willing to do and not do and then set up boundaries and make sure that they remain firm. And that goes in, I think, all areas across of life. the board. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But if you start out with boundaries in your love relationships and you're firm with them, you know, some of those boundaries are how you respect yourself and how you don't allow others to disrespect you or how if I say I'm going out with my girlfriends tonight. When you show up at the bar as a surprise, you crossed a boundary and it's not acceptable. And in that way, you probably that narcissist is going to disappear. If you're going to fight that hard to stay independent and emotionally, mentally strong, you're not the material they need. You're not going to give them this narc supply they need. So you are going to end up being protected because they'll disappear. They're going to find another victim. That's a really that's a really good point. And, um, you know, as you're talking, setting up boundaries, I mean, that that is the key to personal safety, you know, building a perimeter of safety around you virtually and physically. I mean, your emotional boundaries and and what is important to you in your life really do set the tone for any relationship that you're in. So, mm-hmm. you know, and not kind of caving and becoming what they want you to be, but staying and also staying financially independent. Um, you know, years ago my age and, and before, I mean, everybody just put their bank accounts together and money's money and they ran the show. And I mean, that was kind of what you did. I, I believe that in this day and age, most young women have their own finances and have worked for most of the time. It's very rare in this day and age that women get married right out, right out of high school with no um, career or anything. But if they are still, Always keep some type of financial independence because that is, you know, that's what the narcissist love is to own you and own you financially and all of that. 
one of the problems is that, and before our generation, they encouraged, some still do, but for the female not to work. So right. you really were between a rock and a hard place. But even now for younger women getting married and, you know, being financially independent, the truth of the matter is there are a lot of narcissists who are extremely successful in their careers because they are very charismatic. And um, you watch the Michael Moore documentaries. We know that a lot of CEOs are psychopaths and sociopaths. So this is, you know, you can be very successful um, with these personality traits. But once you're married, if you end up in court, the money is the money. If you've got money put away, the female could be the one paying you know, spousal support. But either way, many narcissists are successful, but many of them are walking financial disasters. And even if you've got your own money, you may end up paying debts, paying right. their debts. Another reason to keep those boundaries initially and try to avoid getting involved. Because even if you wake up and smell the coffee, halfway in before you have kids or whatever, or before you've gotten legally married, but your common law spouses, you're responsible for his debts. Well, that's, that's exactly prevention. (laughs) Prevention. And another red flag is if they don't let you be a part of the finances, if they have a kind and they're like, Mm -hmm. no, it's, it's no, no, you know, filing taxes, just sign here. Right. Um, you know, I'm paying the bills. I have an accountant doing all that. No, you don't need to see anything. That's Mm -hmm. a red flag. And then before yeah, you know absolutely. it, exactly as you said, you're going through the court system, 50-50, whatever. You now are responsible for all the debt that he racked up without your knowledge. But it's, it's, it's merit, you know, meritable debt. So there you go. Very true. Yeah. Um, God, so, so much great information. Where can, they, where can they find this book series, the Gal Guide series? So the first two are being released. Um, September 7th. And that is how to say so long to Mr. Wrong, breaking up without breaking down. And the other one is um, the gal guide to cheaters and liars. How to know if he's having an affair on November 9th, this book on narcissism, the gal guide to navigating narcissism, how to love the hate you love. And um, my mystery novel. That's what I wanted to talk about. So this is the thing, all this time you've been doing, you know, nonfiction guides, and then you came, you know, you now are doing what, how to murder a marriage and it's fiction, it's fiction, right? So tell, tell us how you decided to write a fiction book. I've written two nonfictions, but I can't, couldn't even think of, well, truth is always stranger than fiction. So I guess I could write a story that is true, but, um, you know, it could be fiction like you. So, um, tell me how you decided to write the book and tell us a little bit about what it's about. So I really decided to write the mystery novel first, and it is about a woman who has left her husband and he is stalking her and she is escaping the marriage. And, um, she is a relationship advice counselor. And she has a blog and she writes these nonfiction relationship advice books. So I decided to write the books. So the relationship advice books, the gal guides are actually written by the main character in the mystery novel. So it's like life imitating art, imitating life. That's right. Because um, your your pen name is that your pen name on the gal guides for everybody out there is the ex whisperer, right? 
right. not your name. That's so for right. anybody that's searching out there, it's the gal guys and the pen name is the ex whisperer. Okay. So keep going. Right. And initially that's how it was safe for me to write and publish, um, because of the material. But on November 9th, How to Murder a Marriage comes out in tandem with the um, Navigating Narcissism Gal Guide. And then one year later, book two in the mystery, it's a three book deal I got, which is amazing. And book two comes out with the fourth Gal Guide. And then a year later, book three comes out with fifth Gal Guide. Wow. So who's the publisher? Level Best Books in the United States. Okay. They're wonderful. So, so these will yeah. all be available on Amazon. Any, you know, they can search wherever. Um, in about two weeks time, hopefully, fingers crossed, two weeks time, um, the the pre-order buy links will be up everywhere. Barnes and Noble, Indie Books, book, um, Amazon, everywhere, um, online and in stores. And, um, and pre-orders are super important for um, authors because True. it helps the publisher know books to, to publish. So yeah, so they'll all they'll be three gal guides or yeah, three gal guides ready for pre-order and the first mystery novel. So how do, people, how do people find you out there? So I have a website and it's my name, GabrielleStGeorge.com. Okay. Well, and so for everybody out there, just go to my website and you will see her, her link to her website, but um, such great, great information. And I so appreciate you being here today. I really can't wait to hear from listeners and viewers after this show, because I think we're going to get a lot of uh, hand raising and, um, you know, where do I get your book? So thank you so much for being here today. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Kathleen. It was a pleasure. Really enjoyed it. Talk great. soon. Talk soon. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. So, um, you know, for anybody out there truly that is struggling um, with a narcissist, please heed all the, you know, great information that Gabrielle gave us today, um, because it really is important and it is so, so difficult, so emotionally draining and stressful. Um, so I have, you know, at the end, I always have the safety check rules and tips. So let me read them to you. Um, one. You need to make a serious game plan and stick to it. And like we said, divorcing or leaving a narcissist is extremely difficult. So much like, you know, domestic in domestic violence situations, you have to have a plan thought out, well thought out. So really make a game plan, you know, and, and stick to it. You need to know what that, that breaking up is your only way out. Okay. As hard as it is, truly, as she was saying, the only way to get rid of a narcissist out of your life is you have to cut all ties. And I know it's difficult with children, but there is a way to respectfully do it so that the children still, obviously, it is very important for them to have a relationship with their father or their mother. You can't, I don't think that that is the way to go, but there is a way to do it where you remove contact and conflict. Um, between you and the narcissist, you need to erect a virtual unscalable walls of stone. Like I was saying, you need to build a perimeter around you virtually and physically that will keep him from climbing back inside your barriers. Remember that you have to have barriers and keep you safe and protected. You need to remember 
that you deserve to be healthy and happy. You deserve to be healthy and happy. That is the whole point of life. Um, you cannot let other people come into your life and destroy you. Um, no one, no one has that power. And, and you just have to believe that in your core. No one has that power. Um, you need to educate yourself about narcissists. And as I, I think, you know, Gabrielle's book, and there are so many websites you can go to narcissistic abuse, you know, um, there's a lot of websites on that and the information that you gain from, and I remember really reading on this years ago, and it really helped me because you tend to have aha moments when you're reading about um, narcissistic abuse and the, the information empowers you and helps you deal, you know, easier and, and move forward in time. And as we talked about, you need to find a support system, whether it's your family or friends, um, if you can, if you can rely on them, if not, seek out counselors, therapists, support groups, helplines, and, you know, possibly domestic violence shelters. There is help out there. Um, so don't feel like you're all alone. Even if, you know, you kind of feel that you're being abandoned by friends or whatever, there are always more people out there to meet and there is always help for you out there. Um, yeah, need to be ready for the inevitable new partner in his life who could be sucked in at lightning speed. I mean, I've, I know a lot of people that, that, that have dealt with this, like all of a sudden the new, the new wife and it's Insta family and they basically, um, you know, take, take on your role. He maybe start, start dating right away to make you feel jealous, but it's more likely that he is desperate for the ego boosting supply he craves. And, um, you know, it's really not about, oh, I found the love of my life. It's more, you know, this person is going to make, you know, her, or him feel bad and pay and we're going to be this team and I'm going to really stick it to them. Um, you know, narcissists are attention junkies. So, and finally, you need to know in your gut, you need to know in your heart that you can and will do better in a romantic relationships in the future. You know, be wary. Don't fall for the charming, charismatic, superficial, boastful beau or, you know, woman next time. Um, look for the kind, gentle, compassionate person. There are a lot of them out there. And again, if it doesn't feel right, if you start to see these signs and you feel in your gut, remove yourself. Because remember, there are many, plenty of fish in the ocean. Always remember that. I hope you enjoyed today and um, see you next time. 